You know, dude, I'm telling you, man, the truth is this. I have, I have moved my career further faster with courage than anything else. Not internet marketing, not funnels, not webinars, not JVs, not email marketing, nothing. Nothing has moved me forward faster, further than courage. And basically I've just made a habit of, of asking myself, what's the, I call them power moves or bold moves. What's the bold move this week? What's the bold move today? Who, who's the person that I could get on the phone with and as long as I show up powerfully and communicate value correctly, that that is the small hinge that swings the big door, right? It's like, you know, in the coaching industry, dude, it's like uh, I charge 150K a year and it comes with a three-year commitment. The second summit program is a million-dollar investment. Am I the best coach in the world? Probably not. I, I, I can probably safely say that I'm not. Um, am I the most qualified? Probably not. Um, so what allows me to command those kind of fees? Well, number one, I know that I have the chops. I might not be the best, but I know that I've got the chops. And number two, courage. Courage. I know there's plenty of people out there that could play at the level that I do, and they don't simply because of courage. And so for what it's worth, man, uh, I would, I would, I would put that under the microscope in your own life and look at like, man, Shannon has done some really cool stuff. He's up to some big, big stuff. And yeah, he might be a fairly intelligent guy, uh, but if I take anything from his playbook, it's courage. And um, my bet would be that there's probably the, the metaphorical equivalent of like the guy at the top of the list that you could, that, that you could do that you know, potentially you've been avoiding because of like fear or doubt or judgment or whatever. There, I, I guarantee if we really put it under the microscope, there's at least one bold move that you're either aware of that you've been avoiding or that you're unaware of that just with a little bit of thoughtfulness you could reveal. Um, and, and that would put you light years ahead. Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the show. This is season two, Two Seconds of Courage, where we talk about big moments where you have that anxiety, that nervousness about making a decision, and you decided to go with it anyways, and it creates tremendous transformation in your life. And today's guest is an amazing, amazing person named Shannon Graham, who is from California, who's a big thinker, a big idea guy, and he has got a whole ton of energy for you today lots of inspiration, lots of actionable tips and tools and stories and strategies. And I'm just so excited for you to see this episode with Shannon. He's such a heartfelt person. And we get a little bit into his personal life, a little bit into his business life, and a whole lot into wisdom. So enjoy the episode. Let me get into some context around this interview and some things I learned about Shannon Graham, the guest today. So I, I did a bunch of research on past podcasts, past things he's written, and I'm seriously amazed. Like, there were some gems dropped, and I mean that uh, as a pun, which you'll see as I start dropping gems, that there's just some epic stories this guy has been a part of and what he's decided to do with his life and how he's decided to do it. It's so incredible. So basically, a few years ago, he decided as a coach, as a visionary, as a leader of other leaders and someone who can kind of guide them, that he was going to start to pick problems to solve 
and specifically help other people pick problems to solve that they do not know the answers to. And that is just mind-blowingly awesome to me. So I wrote down something that you said, Shannon, that I've already shared with a ton of people, and it's we tend to base our potential on what we can do on what we've done in the past. But opposed to that is our potential is actually based on the demands that we create for ourselves in the present moment and in the future. So that was just like, we all know this idea of like, if you buy a bigger house or get a nicer car or take on more responsibility, hire more employees, have children, you're going to be pushed to move yourself to another level. And just the way that you said that and what you went into, I just want to dig into this today and figure out like, you know, maybe where did it come from or how are you using it today with clients and how can we go about deciding on these things for ourselves and maybe some stories from uh, your clients in your past or, or the future and all of that good stuff. So I love that. A little bit more context. Um, I'm just going to drop all my favorite Shannon Graham quotes that should be on like billboards, right? So that's one of them. The second one is, I don't believe you'd be called to a game you couldn't play. And I was just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> it's just like the inspiration that we receive in life to do big things and to, to do big projects is like, you don't get those because you can't do them. You get them because you can. And going back on Shannon's, I guess, kind of core philosophy, it seemed like in those interviews and the papers was that it's all about finding those problems that you don't know how to solve yet, but you know you can with time and creativity and imagination and resourcefulness, right? And then there's a few others here, which are just awesome. So one is make sure that the problem you're working on is big enough that you don't know how to do it. You have to become more creative, more imaginative, more resourceful. And not only does picking these types of problems help you elevate yourself, but it actually helps everyone who sees you do it believe in their own version of impossible. And this was exemplified in a story he told about a client who wanted to raise the GDP of New Zealand by increasing their global domestic confidence by helping one or many entrepreneurs do huge, huge projects. Like for example, they ended up contributing to a huge uh, metro transit uh, let's just call it upgrade in India, like the country, like the prime minister of India actually ended up working with one of these entrepreneurs out of New Zealand because of someone that Shannon worked with and inspired to go after really big problems like increasing the GDP of New Zealand because they have like a history of maybe holding themselves back culturally when they have amazing ideas. So uh, the last quote I'll share before we really get into it is another just amazing one from Shannon, which is, Decide today to go after your version of impossible. So with that being said, Shannon Graham, let's get going. So let me ask you, just for starters, your family and friends must have a very interesting relationship with you. And that must have changed a lot in, let's just say, like the past five or 10 years as you've really stepped into this role of becoming essentially uh, a legend making coach, right? So what is that like when you've hit this level of confidence and success and like love in your life? What does that look like for like your significant others? Do you have children? Um, I don't have children. Um, it, it I, you know, I, I would hope that it feels like inspiration to them, um, to be connected so intimately to someone who is so consciously pushing their own boundaries 
that I think at very least it's inspiring and at, at best it's um, potentially causing them to be curious about what areas of their life they could expand. So then let me ask you, what areas of your life right now are you consciously expanding? And do you do all of them at the same time or do you pick one? Like, how do you pick what to expand? Yeah, I, I find, well, there's, there's kind of two answers to that question. Um, the, so there's three primary ones that I'm focused on right now. One is my health and fitness. Two is my relationship with my wife. And three is the relationship I have to making the world a better place. Um, so those are the three that I'm most focused on right now. And the cool thing about those is that they have overlap into all kinds of other things. And so um, that's kind of the, the side bonus or the secret benefit of expanding into those three regions. So what does that look like for you? So for instance, uh, when it comes to your, and we'll go through each one, I'm just really curious, like what are you doing to expand uh, health and fitness? Um, well, I have become very interested in anti-aging. Um, I believe, I'm, 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 I just was on a call yesterday with Dave Asprey and um, you know, him and I are both pretty firm believers that we'll both live to probably somewhere in the ballpark of like 150 to 200 years old. And um, I'm a big believer that that will be possible. And I believe that there are some things that are probably good to focus on now from a health and anti-aging standpoint to help make sure that that reality mm, becomes possible. Um, so anti-aging is a big one that I'm into. Um, and then just working out, um, continuing to improve my ability to to expand and to, to get stronger and... Um, things like that. So there's a anti-aging element and there is a kind of fitness uh, element. So then when did anti-aging become a thing for you and why, why is that so important to you? Um, I, I've actually been into the idea of anti-aging for quite a while. It's only the last probably three years that I've gone really deep with it and, and <laughs> kind of pushed myself to levels of self-experimentation that I have not before. So what are some examples? Um, some examples would be things like NAD. Um, NAD is a fairly new anti-aging science. It's actually been around for quite a while, but they're they're bringing it more mainstream. Um, uh, peptides, just peptide science in general. Um, so there's a, so peptides, peptide science is fascinating. Um, there is a peptide for every function in the body. Um, so hair growth, muscle recovery, uh, immune system, anything, any, any function of the body, there's a peptide that correlates to it. And so what they've done is they've isolated each peptide for each function. So whatever you need, whether it's hair growth or anti or, uh, you know, um, immune system, muscle recovery, whatever, there is a peptide specifically for that. Now, what's cool about that is peptides are bioidentical and they don't have any filler. There's no extra ingredients. It's just the one ingredient. So you don't get any weird side effects. You don't get any, um, 
you know, unwanted side effects. It's not dangerous. And so it's, it's really pretty profound because to get the results that it produces in the past, people have needed to do things that either have had side effects or had, you know, some type of long-term end up bite me in the butt kind of thing. Um, so it's, it's very exciting. So peptides have been a big one, um, that, that I have leaned into recently. Um, yeah, as, as far as awesome. anti-aging, that's, those are, those are the big ones. And then you said your second priority is working and building the relationship with your wife. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? What are you consciously doing? Um, what we're the, I, you know, honestly, the biggest thing I'd say we're doing is we're bringing more honesty to the relationship. I think it's pretty common for, especially in Western civilization, for people to have this underlying uh, version of the truth. And I find this is, this is pretty true for most people in general, but especially in relationships. We find somebody that we like, um, there's parts of us that we are not sure if, they're, if they will like, so we tend to hide or, or diminish those parts. Um, you know, cheating, for example, uh, typically happens because one of the people in the relationship has something that they're desiring that they're not getting from the relationship, so they seek it somewhere else. Now, the funny part is the reason, uh, maybe not the reason, but I think it's something like over 90% of the time, that thing that they're not getting, they haven't even told the other person about because they have some belief that if they tell that person that thing, they will judge them, they will abandon them ultimately. If you wanna take the freight train straight to, you know, Doomtown, that's where it goes. Um, and so, yeah, and so they find someone else that they know won't judge them for that, and you know, that's, that's how that gets created. And so all of that can be alleviated by just having this radical honesty of sitting down with the person and saying, hey, uh, there's something that I've been wanting for a while and I haven't said it yet because I'm afraid of X, Y, and Z. So this is like massive vulnerability, right? Which creates connection. And then to say the thing, and the funny thing is when people say the thing, not all the time, but some of the time, the significant other is like, oh, cool, I'm into that, let's do that. And it's like, and then and, and it just creates even more connection. You're like, it's been a year in my head like this. I've been so scared. Right, right. Imagine all that fear, all that shame, all that guilt. And, and that's not even if you've like gone outside of the relationship. That's just like, what are they going to think? Are they going to abandon me? Am I bad for thinking this? Like, oh God, I better just like, just forget about it. And just like, mm, okay. Like, and just whoo, to, to just release all of that. And to have somebody could, at the end of the day, what we all want the most, this is probably going to be one of the biggest mic drop moments. At the end of the day, what we all want most is to be unconditionally accepted. Unconditionally accepted for our best, for our worst, for our weirdness, for our whatever. To have someone experience that and embrace us. I mean, that's like... There's nothing better in life than that. So then I feel like as a piece of this, because it's radical honesty, I don't know if this is like a masculine feminine thing, but 
have you like i've had to build the skill of doing that of like accepting uh my significant other and you know, i mean through all relationships in my life that's like a skill especially because it's like this idea where and it, i can see like just with your like build and your your mannerisms right you're a very masculine man right so are there stories there about that? I'm, I'm curious, like what work you've done on yourself with this whole process? Yeah, well, that's a that's a whole rabbit hole we can get into. Um, awesome. So, so I, I actually grew up without a dad. And and I grew up um, predominantly with my mom. Um, so I had a lot of feminine influence. And I wanted I desired to be more um, I don't, it, it gets a little dangerous these days to say, be a man. Um, but for me, for me, for myself, for Shannon Graham to be a man, what that meant to me, I can say that and feel okay. I think that's PC. Um, I wanted to, to expand my masculinity. And so I got, what was cool was because I didn't have a heavy male influence, I got to kind of create it. I got to kind of be like, well, what does that mean to me? What do I want that to look and feel like? And so I studied people in history that I admired for their, for their masculinity. And I began to, you're familiar with method acting? Mm -hmm. So method acting is brilliant because it's, it's actually not acting. It's finding that piece inside of you and bringing it out. And so what I would do is, is find people who had those traits and I would go, oh yes, that little piece right there. I like that. Where is that? Where is that in me? It's in there somewhere. Oh, oh, there it is. There it is. And I would bring it out and then I would just give myself permission to exercise it. Exercise it, exercise it. And I would go out of my way. I would, I would purposely put myself in uncomfortable situations just to practice that building that muscle, just to practice um, assertiveness, for example, where in the past I might have shied away. I would force myself into situations where I knew I was going to have an opportunity to be assertive, not aggressive, not aggressive, but assertive. I find in masculinity, that's like the sweet spot. So I feel like a large part of this is so fascinating, a large part, because if we go into this and we'll kind of bounce around a little bit, but if we go into this third realm that you talked about, about your relationship with making the world a better place and how you've chosen to do that and how intense your like identity is in this world. And man, when I was listening to this, I'm like, wow, you're doing three year programs with clients or, or beyond at this point, I'm, I'm sure, right? and saying like, no, I will not take a problem with a client unless it's something that seems unsolvable at first. That's beast. Yeah. Well, That's beast. It's, it's beast. It certainly is. Um, and I think it's natural in a way. What I mean by that is I think that people drastically underestimate their potential. I don't think that I know that. I've been in this business this year is going to be 18 years. I've just been around enough people to know that fundamentally we all live below our potential, no matter who you are. And so the ace up my sleeve at all times is a number of things, but, but the biggest one of them is 
I know that we all have more potential than what we live up to. However, that potential only comes out under two very specific circumstances. When life forces it on you and it's usually ugly and you have to, like you just, you, you get pushed against the wall and you don't have the time and you don't have the money and you don't have the resources and you figure it out. That's, that's one way. And the other way is even more rare. It's when we seek it out. But I figured out a secret. Most people don't like to seek that out because of the, of the discomfort that comes from that. But I discovered that that's actually a good idea because of what's on the other side of that discomfort. And so I, I have, I guess, a little bit of a, an ability to see the forest for the trees. And so, yeah, it's, it's profound to, I think it's our natural desire to expand. One of, the, one of the Shannonisms that you didn't mention happens to be one of my favorites, which is desire is expansion seeking to express itself. Mm. Which means we all have this God inside of us. We all have this version of us, whatever the absolute peak of human existence is. That's what, is, that's what we are. And so it's like, oh, when you think of it like that, then you can play the game totally differently because you're not, like you said, like I said, you said, it's not, we're not playing the game based on what we've done. We're playing the game based on who, what we have the potential to be and to do. Very different. And so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. So I can imagine there are people out there, uh, second summiters or even, you know, people like, like myself who will just go out there and like start listing off like a bunch of huge goals, like, like all these BHAGs as Peter Diamandis would say it, right? Like big, hairy, audacious goals. So in your practice, like what are the, the questions that you ask people or we can ask ourselves to start to figure out? Cause you just said something really interesting, which was that we're trying to activate like our highest self or our highest potential. But if I've got 17 ideas that are, that are big, how do you help people figure out which one is like most aligned or, or most good for them to start with? Sure. Um, well, um, you, truthfully in my line of work, people usually come to me with one big idea. They don't have multiple. So, so in all honesty, I don't have a ton of experience helping people narrow that down. But if I did, if, if you asked me, how would I help someone in that, in that situation? Um, basically, I would look at a couple things. I would, I'm, I'm a very good um, barometer for passion. So I'll, I'll say, okay, Skip, you've got five ideas. Tell me the ideas. And you'll say, well, there's this one, there's this one, there's this one, there's this one, and this one. And I'll tune into your energy as you're saying each one. And usually my bet, my gut would say there's probably one that's like, the, the when you explain that one is like, like you get excited. And I'll, I'd usually pause you right there and say, Skip, do you feel how you feel right now explaining this one in particular? And you'll be like, Yep. Yep. Ah, uh, you're right. That's the one. And that's, that would probably be how I would go about it. 
Okay. And then as another question, because I'm just imagining different circumstances here. If someone's doing this because they listen to this interview and they're like, wow, I love this Shannon Graham guy and I'm going to do some Shannonisms in my own life. And they say, I'm going to go to my significant other and have them be the sounding board for me to explain all my big ideas so that we can figure out which one I'm most passionate about. Are there any ground rules we should set up in a scenario like that if they're not working with you in particular to make sure the environment is good for them to like be able to share their ideas? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to share your ideas with people who can be totally accepting and open to them. Um, so that's number one. You don't want to be in a situation where you share something you're really excited about and your significant other or your best friend or your whoever is like, yeah, well, I don't know about that. You know, that's not helpful. Um, I think honestly what people really love, one of the things that people love about me is that you can bring any idea of any size to me and I will be like, yeah, yeah. And not just like pump up excited, but like with this ability to actually see that vision, sometimes better than the, the person themselves can see it. And that's just a function of me doing this for so long. And me being able to see the real genuine impact that that can create and the ROI, as I like to say, the ripple of impact and go, yeah. And so it's not, it's, it's that like real, it's, oh, it's, a, it's a groundedness skip that I can bring to that. Uh, but with somebody else at minimum, I would say just do it in a, in a, in a setting where it can be accepted. But the second ground rule that I would bring to it has to do with the individual. And it goes back to what I've already said, and I kind of feel like it might be a little bit of a theme for our talk today, which is honesty. There's a huge difference between what people will allow themselves to say to, to a goal they'll allow themselves to even think about. And then there's usually what they really want. There's, and, and you find that with just about everything, money, there's an amount of money that most people will allow themselves to have. And then in their most intimate moments when it's just me and them, and I'm like, but how much do you really want? And they're like, well, if I'm super honest, I want this. Right. And we do that in relationships. We do that with money. We do that with health and fitness. We do that across the board. So, of course, we probably would do it when it comes to like really big, hairy, audacious goal type stuff. So the prerequisite there would be like just be as brutally honest as you can and don't hold back because that's where the best stuff comes from. Beautiful. So then would you recommend that people like just sit down and express these things uh, like verbally or write it down or uh, hire a coach? And if they do, like who and all that, like what would you recommend? <laughs> well, I guess it depends on <clears throat> where they are in their desire to move that vision forward. Um, if they're in the absolute very early stages, then just sitting down and talking about it or writing it, just getting it out, you know, even if it's on like a big whiteboard or, um, you know, piece of paper or just verbally, just getting it out somehow, I think is the first step. Because if it stays in here the whole time, it's not good. It's got to come out. Um, yeah. And if, and if it was something really profound, um, you know, they could hire me and take it to the moon. So then let's get into that. What are 
I, I know at the level that you're working at, there's probably some NDAs on some of your projects, but what are some of the big ideas that your people are working on right now? So I mentioned like the New Zealand GDP. Is that guy still going? Is he still doing stuff with that? Wow. Yeah. I love that. And what's like the, what are the numbers of people that you guys are working with on a project like that? It's got to be millions. Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So what is what does that exactly look? I don't know how much you're allowed to say, but what does that look like, like from a from like a user perspective? Yeah. So essentially, it's an app. For now, it's an app. Um, they choose basically think of like a self help menu. Do you want more confidence? Do you want more clarity? Do you want more motivation? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So you have all these options that come with musical um, segments. And then you, you choose some empowering statement and you say it, you record it into the app. And then what happens is they take your recording and they, and they merge it with the awesome 
kind of um, binaural subliminal empowering music. So now you have this custom track that's just for you and you listen to it every day and uh, your life gets better. Epic. And then let me, uh, I have a, another question that popped up. That's like, I'm really excited to hear you talk about this. This is not something I heard in one of the episodes or anything, but this is something you put on the intake form that I was like, I have to ask about this. What are your thoughts and what's your fascination with civilization design? Oh, well, um, yeah. I mean, I, I consider myself a, a, what I call a tier one engineer. Um, so I think to give the conversation context, we have to talk about what tier one means. Um, back in the 60s, there's an astrophysicist named Kardashev, and he pre-assumed that there's intelligent life in the universe outside of ourselves. And he not only pre-assumed there's intelligent life beyond us, but that there must be at least different types of civilizations. And so he created a classification system. There's three types. And a type one civilization is a civilization that can live in total synergy and harmony with its home planet. It can utilize all of the energy of its home planet. So wind... Is this like the movie Avatar? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, wind, water, uh, earth, all, all of the natural energy sources to utilize them to their highest potential while maintaining harmony with the home planet. So um, that's type one. Type two would be type one plus full utilization of the home star or sun. Um, and you can travel, at type two, you can travel galactically. Uh, and type three is you can uh, harness energy from home planet, home star, and other neighboring planets and stars and other energy sources that are obscure like dark matter and black holes and things like that. So it gets, it gets a little out there. Um, but I believe that Earth can reach type 1 to type 1.5 status within the next 60 years is, is my estimation. Um, so my role within that is to help engineer a civilization that is approximating that uh, reality. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. That's more awesome than I anticipated. So then, um, wow. Maybe, maybe let let me hear like three minutes because I feel like this, I could talk about this for 24 hours, but what are some, some ways that you haven't um, like had people come to you to work on this yet, but what are some, some ways that you're thinking we could start getting closer to that tier one? Um, well, there's in, in my opinion of, of what tier one really means. And because I have, I have created an addendum or a, an addition to Kardashev's definition. Um, Kardashev's definition almost purely is based on energy consumption. So the intelligence of a species can boil down to how intelligently they utilize energy. How much of it can they harness and how successfully can they harness it? 
So for example, we have solar power right now, um, but it's still relatively not that effective. It's getting better, but you know, a solar panel, I think only absorbs less than 20% of all of the potential energy that hits it at any given time. So there's room for improvement. Um, so that's part one is, is intelligent energy consumption. Part two though, I think is equally, if not more important, which is harmonious species, um, existence, which is like, I, I, I'm a firm believer that when the majority of us reach a level of consciousness that our experience, our personal experience and our collective experience will go up. Mm -hmm. So then what is, if we were to break down, cause you're fantastic at explaining things. So let me take this opportunity to figure out what is consciousness. Like when we, when we say that and we say we want to like up level consciousness, what does that really mean? Like what's a, what's a low level what's a day in the life of a low level and then what's like the next from there and then what's like the next from there yeah well consciousness um i think predominantly has to do with awareness how aware are you of fill in the blank how aware are you of your ability to have empathy how aware are you of your own self like how how you're doing how you're being how aware are you of where you're going? Um, all of these things, in my opinion, lead to consciousness. And so, um, yeah. So this kind of, I feel like, let me do a little intermission and then I'm going to bring us into another questions. Uh, introduce me to these tattoos on your left arm. Oh, uh, well. What are these? So this stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, that says, for the tenacious, no road is impassable. And that's the upper arm. Says ad astra, which means it's Latin for to the stars. Mm. And then this one says halcyon, which um, it has it has two meanings for me. The first is its definition, which is an age of peace and prosperity. And um, in my way of thinking, if you think of this as a timeline, and this is the beginning of someone's life and this is the end of someone's life, Halcyon for most people is like somewhere here. It's usually like the good old days where life was easy and it was abundant and it was fun and there was a lot of flow and, and it was very carefree usually. And that's, that's what t people tend to look back on in their life and go, oh man, those were the good old days. Um, but in, in my opinion, if that's, if that's when that time period was, well, what about all of this? Is that, is that not the good old days? Can that not be the good old days? Shouldn't that be also the good old days? And so this is also a reminder of like, the good old days shouldn't be behind you. The good old days can be behind you but they can also be right now and they certainly can be in the future. And so, um, yeah. And then the last one is, um, that is my wife's name. Hmm. And, um, yeah. So that's the ink. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So then if we bring 
that idea, which is beautiful, the Halcyon, and we bring in what you were just talking about, which is like levels of awareness of yourself and your emotions and how you're being in the world. And then we go back to your number two goal that you're working on right now, which is just strengthening your relationship, right? And we were talking earlier about like, what are the things? And then, and then you talked about how you grew up without a father and how you kind of created your own version of masculine. What does the practice of growing your own awareness or growing your own like consciousness of how you're being in relationship look like these days? Like, let me, let me actually even make this question even easier for you to answer. But like, what are the challenges that you face on like a weekly basis now? And what are you doing to grow through them and, and start to like raise your level of awareness or consciousness? Yeah, I, I think the biggest one is for me to create even more awareness of, of her, of how, of how she's being. Um, I think in relationships, we tend to bring what we want to the table and we lead with that. Um, which I don't think is bad. I also think that it's missing another piece, which is like, what can I give? And um, so, because at the end of the day, that's a balanced, healthy relationship. What can I get and what can I give? But if that's too heavy, then it starts to fall apart. So there needs to be balance. And sometimes it doesn't always look like this. Sometimes it looks like this and sometimes it looks like this. That can be balanced too. Um, but some, some approximation of this. Um, so yeah, that, that, uh, awareness that I'm also in this relationship to give and the better I can tune into her and what she's going through in the moment or in general and, and feel that and have empathy for that and understand that the more I, the better job I can do of responding in a way that is um, loving and accepting and nurturing and um, powerful. And then let me ask you, do you have like right now, are there any personal things like uh, attributes or characteristics of yourself that you're working on and, and building and raising to this like, what I would now say is like a Shannonism level of yourself where it's like, because we keep talking about this idea of like, if anything were possible, right? If anything were possible, what would I be? What's that honest answer? And like, so I'm assuming your bar for yourself that you are, are striving for is quite high as a human, which means you're probably very regularly contending with your own personality in the ring. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So what does that yeah look like for you? what does my current kind of trajectory look like? Is that the question? Yeah. Like what challenges are you facing? And then what are you, what practices or habits are you kind of putting together for yourself? Well, uh, you know, hopefully this answers your question, but the biggest challenge, not, maybe not the biggest, but certainly one of the biggest challenges I have right now, as far as my identity and expansion are concerned is this idea that I can move forward in one of two ways. Meaning, um, I, I'm a very big fan of Elon, as I'm sure you probably could have guessed. Um, and Elon is, 
Elon has, you know, six or seven companies at this point that he dumps a lot of time and energy into. Um, and he is arguably one of the people on the planet who's making the biggest impact. Um, and I, I like that. I admire that. And um, so there's a part of me that, that desires to play the game like that. I have enough of my own ideas that I could bring to the table and frankly, maybe very lightly work with clients, but essentially be like more or less another Elon. Um, and there is a desire in me for, for me to, to do that and to be that. Um, and there is this side of me that is a little bit more like the Illuminati. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I have a very good ability to be a conductor. And the conductor doesn't play music. They just conduct the music. And so part of me sees this trajectory where I become more like an Elon. And another part of me sees this side of me where I more or less stay where I am, just continue to do it in bigger and better ways. Um, and so I've, I've kind of danced with this idea of like, which direction do I want to go? And um, I haven't completely landed one way or the other yet. Um, Let me ask you a question. Um, if you were sitting across the table from a clone of Shannon Graham, and he was reading your energy when you were describing both of those options, which one would he think you had more fire about? Um, well, he, I, he would probably say, he would probably say you have, you have a lot of fire around being an Elon type guy, but that, uh, but the, if, if he knew me well enough, he'd, he'd probably say the conductor position is where you should be. Um, on the, are you familiar with wealth dynamics? Yes. So on the wealth dynamics, I am a creator. Um, and the creator is ultimate, the ultimate expression of a creator is to be an idea guy and, and to more or less be a conductor. So Elon would be considered a creator. Although I don't know in that definition that I just gave that he's the best example, to be honest, another person that we both know is maybe a better example. And his name is Richard Branson. Richard Branson has 90 companies. And what does he do the most, the majority of his time, fuck off and go to the beach on his private island. Like the majority of the pictures you see of Richard Branson, what is he doing? He's playing tennis in his board shorts or he's like, you know, on the beach or he's, he's hanging out. So he's an idea guy. He has ideas and then he deploys teams and entire companies to fulfill those ideas. Elon is similar. Elon's an idea guy, but then he takes on the burden of moving that thing forward. Like he spends a lot of his time at Tesla and he spends a lot of his time at SpaceX. And that's great because he's really into it and he's really passionate about it, but it takes him out of that conductor role. He still does it obviously to a degree, but he's also very much like in the trenches. And so, yeah, I think the highest expression of Shannon Graham is, is that conductor position. So then let me ask you as the conductor 
and as a huge dreamer and as someone who helps dreamers enact realities that are bewilderingly awesome, like raising the GDP of countries, you mentioned earlier uh, the idea of like what you're doing in the world, which is partly, you know, raise that level of consciousness, but also help these like other idea people make their ideas a reality, right? So you're you're like another idea person that helps idea people really execute on these these things, but also maybe take off some of the armor that they're wearing around the idea, right? So they can really go for it. So then we also know that you're helping everyone get to that tier one, tier 1.5 civilization. And these are the projects you're most interested in. These are the second summiters that you're most interested in talking to when they have ideas that push us toward that, that space. So I love this because as an example, you've got the New Zealand guy who's working on making like huge technological advances and helping start companies from A to Z, right? The end-to-end solution like you were talking about, which is going to help tech and renewable everything, sustainability. And then you've also got the music guy who's helping everyone get more loving and more compassionate for themselves and the other end of that spectrum of like what you're saying about a tier one civilization. So then what are the biggest projects like you're most excited about? Like if there was a if you were going to call in specific clients with specific ideas that you were like, I really want to be a part of like this specific industry or idea, like what are some of these big, big things that you think have huge opportunities that you'd like to help? Um, yeah, I, I luckily many of them I'm already a part of. Um, but there's a few that I would like to, to team up with that are not currently in the, in the, uh, the stable, as I like to say, um, one of one of the biggest is would be biotech. Um, I believe that uh, technology has the ability to help people significantly with their health, um, and you know we've seen that even just in the last hundred years of medical advancement. There's there, I mean, there's people who get to live today that back a hundred years ago would not have the chance to live simply because of what exists today. And so that's like just the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. Um, based on some of the exponential technology that's coming down the pipe and what that has the potential, the potential utility of that is just is staggering. And so when you take a guy that can think like me and you combine it with a, an exponential technology, um, you know, potentially the result is is profound. And so... Um, yeah, biotech would be one that, that I want to expand into. Awesome. Are there any particular sciences or, or research that you've looked into that you're like, man, th- like these, these particular technologies or, um, let's just call it treatments, right. Are like, wow, I'm so excited. Like if you could get us excited about like tardigrade science or like the immortal jellyfish, things like that, like which ones are you most pumped about? Um, well, I, I have a, a large um, fascination with nanotechnology. Nanotechnology combined with, with deep like quantum level AI. Um, so, I mean, you know, I don't know how far out that is. Like nanotechnology combined with deep quantum computing level AI, I mean, would absolutely fundamentally change the game. Um, but yeah, I think nanotech just because it's got so much, um, 
potential. You know, one of the biggest things recently about quantum computing that people have talked about is that quantum computers are so powerful and so smart that the biggest challenge currently is we just don't know the best questions to ask it. Like we don't, it's so powerful and it's so smart. We don't even know like how to take advantage of it. Like here's this box that can pretty much do anything and it can do whatever you have the intelligence to make it do. And so our biggest challenge currently is like, great, how do we figure out something really cool to make it do? So imagine if you, if you had some very clear ideas about what to make it do from a health perspective, and you turned that into something that was like microscopic that could course through the body at all times, 24 seven, monitoring all systems at all time. And in the version that I see, there's like a 1.0 version where it's giving the user real-time data. So it's saying, hey, Skip, your, your vitamin D is a little low today. You might want to get out in the sun for a bit, or you might want to take some vitamin D, or hey, your magnesium is a little low. You should eat a banana or you know, like take some whatever. Um, so that's one version. I think that'd be pretty cool. The, the next level, the 2.0 version would be the nanotech does it all by itself. It operates in the background and you're not even aware of it. So it, it has all, it has micro factories and it can produce any element, any element. So if you're low on vitamin D, it can sense that from the very moment you start to get low, not like, you know, after a week or so, it's like instant and it begins to course correct for you so that you are just living in this optimized state all the time and you don't have to do wow. anything about it. Yeah. Wow. That is, that's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Future tech. Awesome. Yeah. Amazing. So then let me ask you, as we get into this, this last few minutes of everything here, what, what are the, what are like the messages? Like I always start with my preface, right? Of like, if, if, if I walk out or if you walk out and something crazy happens and an asteroid hits or a 200-foot tsunami crushes your home, like what are the big messages? What are the big things that you think about that you would just like everybody to know and to, to think about or, or a story you'd like to share? Anything like that? Yeah. Uh, well, I, th I think we can sum it all up today by saying everything that you want exists on the other side of courage. It takes courage to dream big. It takes courage to be really brutally, vulnerably honest in a relationship. It takes courage to put out an offer in front of someone that is three years, a three-year commitment. It takes courage to do that. Um, courage, courage. It takes courage to do all these things. All If desire is expansion seeking to express itself, the vehicle to that is courage. And so my guess would be everyone watching this today has something that they want to be, that they want to do, that they want to have, or that they want to give, or all four. And, and there's a level of honesty that they probably have not gone to yet. And so that requires courage. And so if I'd say, if you take nothing else from this experience today, it would be that courage is, is the currency that gives you everything that you want. Oh, it's beautiful. Do you have any pro tips for, let's say they get that level of honesty. They are so inspired after seeing this or hearing this. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to set up a good space. I'm going to get grounded. I'm going to 
talk to like this friend or coach or significant other or Shannon himself. And I'm going to open up about this huge dream that I have huge dream. And I'm going to take it as far as my mind can take it like this level two nanotech or tier two civilization or one of these really big dreams, right? Once they've said it, once they've owned it, do you have any resources or would you recommend any resources for people to start taking action on these things or uh to because it you know you can say it and then it can get even scarier once it's out there right where do they go from there what would be your your uh wisdom well i am as 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 much of a dreamer as i am i'm also a scientist because if your dreams are valuable enough you will find out the the most um, efficient way to make them a reality and efficiency has a lot to do with science um, right like if we have a car and we want to make it go faster there's some very scientific things we can do we can look at how do we increase the horsepower we can look at um, aerodynamics how do we reduce drag and we can do all types of scientific things to improve that and make it better so science is cool science helps gets us what we want um, and so if someone watches this today and they say, you know what, I'm, I'm finally going to give myself the time and space to just go there. The best thing to do after that clarity has come to, to the, the outside world from the inside to the outside, um, is to reverse engineer it to say, okay, Here's the big idea. This is approximately how long I imagine it'll take. And you're almost 100% of the time you're not going to be right. It always it typically always takes longer. Sometimes it takes shorter, but at least it gives you a sense of reference. We have to have we have to have some type of context in life otherwise we go crazy. So for me when you say, you know we were talking about tier 1 or tier 1.5 and I said 60 years that's approximately how long I believe it'll take that gives me a frame of reference now it might take longer than that it might take less time than that um, and, and there's a case to be made on both sides but that at least gives me a sense of reference okay so now we have 60 years now we say great that's a placeholder where do you want to with as far as this vision is concerned where do you want to be in 12 months 12 months from now, if you can close your eyes and go there, go to the future and imagine it, where would you like to be? And don't imagine it in a way that you know how to get there. Imagine it in a way that you don't know how to get there. We're not, this, this exercise is not a how are we going to do it exercise. This is just a simply where do you want to be exercise. So what's cool is we get to just briefly willingly suspend our practicality of like, well, how, yeah, but how am I going to do it? Doesn't matter. Where do you want to be 12 months from now? Great, great. And then reverse engineer that to, okay, great. If, if basically what we're saying, if we, want to, if we want to kind of like simplify this, 12 months from now, I want to take a journey of a thousand steps. Okay, then if I'm going to do the math, this is where reverse engineering comes in. If I'm going to do the math, how many steps do I need to take today? How many steps do I need to take tomorrow? How many steps do I need to take this week? How many steps do I need to take this quarter? 
And if you do the math correctly, then you can create inevitability. That's one of my favorite words, Skip. What if I said, Skip, as big as you could dream, what if we could take the, the grandness of that and couple it with inevitability? How would that make you feel? Probably pretty powerful. And so this, mm. is, this is the gift that I can give people uh, or that, you know, through watching this, they can give themselves, which is like, okay, I have this big idea. Now I've chunked it. I've chunked it and chunked it and chunked it to like, I know exactly what to do today. And it doesn't have to be big. It's just one step, one step, one step, one step. Look at Tesla. Tesla is like the biggest car company in the world right now. They're the highest selling EV on the planet. They've forced all the other auto manufacturers into the EV game. That's how powerful they are. That's fucking, that's beast. You want to talk about beast mode, but it didn't start yes. that way, did it? It started with the, it started with the Tesla Roadster that was like a fucking glorified go-kart that cost a hundred thousand dollars. Like at first glance, most people were like, Tesla's going nowhere. Like, look, man, we've tried EVs before. It didn't really work. The Prius is kind of like not really a thing, you know? And so like, eh, and, and, but Elon just had this vision, but he knew he had to, he had to start right here. You, you obviously can't start at the end. Everyone want, everyone somehow thinks like that's possible, but it requires a little more intelligence than that. You have to start where you are. But as long as you start, as long as you take that step, you can take the next step. He did the roadster, then what did he do? The S. And then what did he do? The X. And then what did he do? The Y. And then the three. And then, right? So it just like became this cascade. And so if you can take the big idea, give it a general time frame, chunk it to 12 months. Where do I want to be in 12 months? Don't worry about the how. That's not the, that's not the point. Then what can I do today? What's the one thing that I can do today to move me forward? And I, I would add, what's the one thing I can do today with courage that requires courage? I'll just say this. There's a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. If you haven't seen it, I'd highly encourage you to see it. Do you remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the scene? I'm going to activate a little bit of your photographic memory. Remember the scene where he's working at the, at the uh, office and they get the big call list. They get, it's almost like a big phone book and it's just a list of names and phone numbers of a, of a company. And their job is to cold call everybody on the list. And it's, I mean, it's huge. And it starts with the lowest people on the totem pole in the company, the janitors, the secretaries, right? Um, and Will Smith is kind of like narrating the, the scene. And he says, I didn't have time. I didn't have the time that everyone else had. I didn't take water breaks. I didn't take bathroom breaks. I didn't take lunch breaks. I didn't even hang up the phone. Like he, he found every little way that he could save time and it still wasn't enough. So do you remember what he did? I don't remember. He went to the very top of the list and he circled the CEO and he called the CEO. And he got, he got a, a lunch appointment with the CEO and he ended up closing a deal with the CEO and that one deal was like big. Now that strategy is relatively simple. Anybody in the firm could have done what he did, but they didn't. And the question is why not? Why didn't they? The answer is one word it starts with a C. What is it? 
Courage. Courage. That one move put him so far ahead of the game that the company ended up offering him an actual job and he ended up becoming a multimillionaire. All because he was willing to have courage. So there's a lot of things that you can do that create the illusion of progress. We call it busy work. And you want to avoid that like the plague. I would rather see someone work one hour a day, but that one hour is like they circle the name at the top of the list and they call that fucking guy. And because that requires courage, but that one move is gonna move you forward further, faster than all of the busy work you could ever do. You get that? Beautiful. So yes. when you combine that grand thinking and you reverse engineer it, that's being responsible, and then you combine that with courageous action, boy, get the fuck out of the way. Amazing. So Shannon, tell me, when people listen to this or watch this and they fall in love with you and they want to learn about you, learn about your ideas, work with you, uh, talk to you, where can they contact you? Where can they find you? Uh, Facebook is, is usually where I tend to connect with people. Facebook is, is the place. Awesome. I'll put a link in the description of everything. And then, yeah, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel, I feel amazing. That was so inspiring. I'm super excited. I'm going to take these things and really implement them and really use them. And I'm excited for your future. I'm excited to watch everything that you're doing and that your people are doing. And I'm excited to live it myself and take all these awesome things. And I, I hope everybody else that's watching or listening is super inspired as well. So see you guys in the next episode.